Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. Here we go. We are live. I'm excited. And guess what, everyone? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I don't know when and where this episode comes out, but it's the first one where I get to say this to everyone. So I just want to send you just the best vibes in 2022. This is going to be the year. It just it just feels it. All the things we were promised two years ago, we're getting them this year. And you know what? What better way to start out than by having one of the coolest guests with the craziest amount of things she's been up to. Uh, to start this year off right. It's going to set this huge bar. I'll never be able to hit it, but let's just introduce you to her. Who is she? She's a marketing leader, a thought leader, an entrepreneur, a mentor, a pilot, a coach, an author, basically an absolute badass. Um, she has a personal mission to grow a thousand emerging brands by 2030. And she's made actually along the way, many, many millionaires and billionaires um, in this in this quest to help a thousand brands, she's the author of Business Growth Do's and Don'ts, uh, and Absolute Don'ts. Uh, a mentor at the CPG brand accelerator program called SKU in Austin. Founder and CEO of ROI Swift, Carolyn Lowe. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Casey. Man, you do a lot. Uh, I do. And, and I have two kids too, in the meantime, and a husband. I, I, don't, I don't know, know. how you juggle all of that, but we're going to dive into it. And so uh, we have you here. You have some great expertise. So I'm going to stop talking. That's my resolution for this year. Stop talking and ask the question. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually pass you this thing. It's really heavy, but I know you work out. So here we go. Ugh. Okay, here we go. You got it. You want to grab it? I've got Gra it. Grab Thor's hammer. Okay. Yep. There you go. You got it. Take for me Thor's hammer and smash some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. My favorite one that I hear all the time is, hey, can you help me get my product on Amazon? I think I can make millions on Amazon in a couple months. Yeah. Million, right? All it has to do is just be on there to make millions. And, and, and how much utter bullshit is that? Like, is that just a maximum amount? Is it even, I mean, how many products just go there and languish and just die? It's, it's about 90% BS. Um, wow. People see that Amazon is a massive, massive market. I just actually had a call earlier today with this amazing brand, um, really cool, really cool, uh, hand sanitizer that's much less in industrial looking really great brand and you know and they called it um so really what it comes down to is just because amazon is does you know millions and billions of dollars doesn't mean your product is going to do millions and billions of dollars so there's certain things where you've got to build a brand off amazon um and there's other categories like hand sanitizer dispensers where you can probably you know, make a million dollars within the first year because it's a huge category. So I feel like that's the biggest myth is people think, Hey, if I just put my beef jerky out there, um, you know, Jack links is selling plenty of beef jerky. I'm going to be a millionaire within a few months. And that doesn't always work. Um, uh, you know, depends on whether 
food and beverage, especially you really got to build that brand off of Amazon. Um, something like non-branded searches for things like hand sanitizer dispensers, you can go in there and with a really good brand and not many products in that category, you can go in and really make a killing. So it can happen, but more often than not, it doesn't happen. And is it, it, I mean, the difference being luck or just great product time and placement, or maybe working with a great group, but it's not something you should plan for. Exactly. And the thing that you should do when you, when you go to work with an agency, or if you're going to do it in-house is understand what the market is. You know, when I was at Dell, I had probably, I had a lot of great jobs at Dell. At Dell, we moved every 18 months. So every 18 months I got a new job, super fun, right? One time I got to run a, you know, uh, a billion dollar division. And another time I got to run um, the Dell.com consumer website. So I had a lot of really fun jobs, but the one that was the least fun was when I was put in charge of Dell televisions. And what happened was the reason you can't buy a Dell television today is because they no longer make them because (laughs) what happened was when you go to buy a television, that's a very different purchase than going to buy a, you know, a, a, a monitor or a computer. And so we had very little marketing dollars. Nobody knew we sold TVs, but yet the, the leadership team wanted 30% market share. And I said, our awareness is, is 10%. And so there's no way you can get 30% market share if only 10% of the country knows about you, right? They got to know about you before they can buy you. Oh, so, as like a leading indicator, right? If they don't, they're not gonna even going to shop with you necessarily, but they don't even know about you. Right, right. And so like, if you ask someone, name, uh, name a computer manufacturer in the early 2000s, People could name Dell 95% of the time, right? And we had 33, 35% market share. Well, if you say name a television brand and only 10% of the people are saying Dell, it's really hard to get 30% market share if those people don't even know about you. So yeah. what, I, what I really look for on the Amazon side is really looking at how big is that market? So we use tools. I can go on Amazon. Most, most good agencies can go on Amazon and tell you how big your market is. And so if, if the number one seller is only selling $50,000 a month, there's no way you're going to be doing six figures in a few months, right? Um, on that particular item. So I like to go in and see, like, for example, I went in and saw that the best-selling hand sanitizer dispenser today is selling 720000 a month on Amazon. Okay, that you've probably got some headroom. So it goes back to anything, right? You've got to know what the market size is, what the total available market size is to know and get a reasonable saying, okay, if I can get 5% market share, if I can get 10% market share, what does that look like? Um, so we always do that first when, when someone comes to us is we look and say, hey, how big is the market? How much is actually selling on Amazon in your product category? Um, to know like, what's the, what's the best you could do. And if the best you can do is 50,000, 60,000 might not make sense, right? Maybe you go build a brand off Amazon. It's really hard to build a new brand off Amazon because 70% of the searches are non-branded. So they're not looking for, you know, uh, 
human touch hand sanitizer dispenser. They're looking for, you know, touchless hand sanitizer dispenser. So there is a, a big opportunity, but we find in food and beverage, more people are looking for branded items than non-branded. You know, they're not just looking for a gluten-free cookie. They're looking for enjoy life, gluten-free cookies. So we, it really depends on the category. Interesting. So food and beverage, they are pinpointing a particular brand they heard about or somehow saw or were exposed to. Whereas outside of that, much more likely that they're just saying the generic thing. Like I, earlier today, I was looking for a bag to hold ski boots. I didn't oh, type, yeah. you know, Nordic or Rossignol. I just type ski boot bag. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. With helmet compartment. Cause I love the helmet compartment oh, good. in the middle. Yeah, I didn't add that, but I was wondering, <laughs> I was like, you know, if I don't type it, it probably won't have a compartment either. You're right. Right. I just got back from skiing and I was like, oh, I love the helmet compartment in the middle of this boot bag that my sister gave me. Interesting. What brand is it? <laughs> it's like Kuka Leia. I don't know. Oh. You know I, I'll have to look it up, but yeah, yeah. Um, but I, we'll I love it. It's for everyone that needs a, a boot bag with a helmet compartment. <laughs> <laughs> right now I'm, I'm carrying them like, like a, some OG skier from the nineties. The so I, I got to get myself a boot bag. I know. I was just thinking that too. So, but did you see how you didn't look for a particular brand? You right. were just looking. So, so there's a lot of, a lot of categories do have those non-branded search and people can, can definitely pick up on them, but you know, we've worked with so many brands. Um, and what we find is the bigger your retail distribution, I've, I always say anything that goes on your mouth, I'm oh, sorry, on your body or in your mouth has to be sampled. So what we see is people may find their favorite granola in a store and try it and then just say, oh, I'm just going to order this from Amazon on subscribe and save. So I really feel like, especially food and beverage, it's easier to build off Amazon than it is to build on Amazon. Right. Because they are looking, they're trying to pinpoint something. Half the problem is figuring out the right one. So you, you had some tasty granola, you know what to search for, you know, in particular. Uh, interesting. On the body or in the mouth has to be sampled. Very interesting. Uh, so I, I, why, why do we think, though, that it, you can just drop it on? Where does that myth come from that you can just sort of like put it on there? Is it just because there's like a one or two overnight successes and we think that anything's possible or we're just not experienced enough? I think that's part of it. And then people see, you know, how much Amazon uh, does in revenue and and they sort of think if I throw it up there, they will come, you know, if it's on Amazon, I'll, I'll sell a boatload. And Amazon is like Google. You're not going to show up on that first page, um, without some velocity. So you do have to, you know, it's sort of like this vicious cycle. So you have to advertise to get to page one to build your organic. And then once you start selling and getting your organic, then you can sort of back off of advertising, but people just think, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to throw it up there and I'm going to make a boatload. Well, the other stat that our, our friends in Seattle shared with us at Amazon is that 70% of the people don't make it past page one. So, you know, if you're going up against somebody who's been selling on Amazon for three years with 5,000 reviews on their product, guess what? Amazon would rather show the product that is proven and tried and true than sort of show this new unproven brand. So, mm -hmm. 
Amazon wants to show you just like Google, they want to show you those things that they know you're going to buy. So they're going to show you, Hey, this, this product converts 50% of the people that click through this product, buy it. I want to show that because Amazon is in the business of selling products to Amazon shoppers, right? So really you've got to make sure that you've got a great page, a great listing, your conversion rate is really high, all of those things so that you can get further up in those organic rankings. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, I just pulled up Amazon as you were talking to, and you're right. I mean, there's so much on page one that you might, if you're on page two, you're dead to me because there's, I'm looking at, you know, three by three columns of boot ski bags <laughs> and there's and you're probably, yeah. yeah, there's seven pages, but I'm not going to get to page seven or even page right. two. Cause there, I mean, there's a lot of bags. <laughs> and so what you have to do is you'll see that it says sponsored next to those ones. Yeah, those are people those. who are paying just like Google to get to that, that first position. Mm. And, and that's what you need to do as a new brand. Um, is you've got to, you've got to start getting that velocity going. Think about it this way too. You've got to start getting some early sales and getting folks to review your products, because think about it. If you see a product with five reviews, you're like, Oh, wow. Nobody's either bought that or it's a lousy product or, you know, it's, yeah. it's a new pro, you know, you, you tend to not trust something, you know, we've heard 21 is the magic number. Um, in terms of once you've got over 20 reviews, you know, shoppers start to, to trust the reviews and the product. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I literally have an example, uh, literally, uh, I'm looking at this one bag and it has some orange colors to it. It's in the sponsor section. Like you mentioned, has a little limited time deal next to it, deeply discounted from 61 to 45, but it's got 16 reviews. So it, and, and there, it's four star average. So it just gave me that little like sense of like, mm, too soon to know if maybe these people all got had, you know, um, if it's one of those, you know, cheap knockoffs, I was looking for ski goggles for my kids. And I was telling my wife that, you know, they were normally like $40 for everything, but there's this one that was like three goggles for $18. And I was like, mm, might be too good to be true. And the reviews are like, fogs up immediately wind comes right through <laughs> so it's tricky so okay so we need 21 reviews or more to, to start putting some social proof down on paper exactly right if you're in a store and you see something new even if you're in say a target and you've never heard of that a lot of times you know you'll go to the amazon and check out the reviews so same thing um, for for new brands. So it's it's not as easy as just throwing a listing up there and making a million dollars. That's the myth that I wanted to smash. You smashed it completely because there's another one that has five reviews and and now you've got me really thinking. Okay, they're below the threshold. This other one has like thirteen hundred, and that feels safe, um, but it's also twenty dollars more. This is this is great. You know what do you? So we know not to do that, just to throw it up there. And you've mentioned, you know, understand the size of the market. What other things, like if you're looking at a brand, brand new or someone comes to you and they've got a, they've got an e-commerce prod, product and something there, maybe it's been out for a while, but they, they want you to take a look at it. What other things do you do other than look at the market um, when you're trying to get them to really shine online? Yeah, I look at their 
creative and their images. You know, as you know, images and videos are key now. Nobody reads anything anymore, it feels like, you know, especially on mobile. Um, Amazon has changed up the way that the product displays. So you see the images before you see the bullets um, in, in the uh, extra content there. There's an extra content section called the A plus content. So they're really focusing a lot more on the, on the brand. So we'll look at that. And the other big one is price point. Um, you want to make sure that your price point, ideally my favorite products are, you know, 40 plus dollars and thin and light, you know? So for example, we worked with this great brand called Upspring and they have, uh, postpartum underwear for women and they're $40 and they're fabulous and they weigh eight ounces. So that's a great product for Amazon because your fees for prime are very low because it weighs less than a pound and it's $40. So the other thing we look at is, you know, the brand that I talked to today, they have this one product that's $10. And I said, it's really hard to make money online at $10. So do a two pack, do a three pack. We sort of look at what's the right um, size. We like to get products, ideally at least $20, $19.99 or more. You know, if you have single ones, we'll say make two or pack or a three pack and we'll optimize to try and get you the lowest Amazon fees and the best, you know, as a percentage of your revenue. So that's a big thing to take into account. The other thing to take into account is that, you know, you've got to Amazon, you've got to pay them a referral fee, usually averages around 15% of the revenue. And then if you want Amazon Prime, you've got to do that, that uh, fulfilled by Amazon fee, which is anywhere from, you know, three to five to $8, depending on the, the, the price, uh, the, the weight of the product. So those are some other considerations um, uh, that we like to look at too. Um, well, th- this is, this is, Absolutely fantastic. Um, are there any books that you have been reading lately, either on this topic or just general as a professional that you recommend? Yes. Well, there's a couple. Well, first of all, I wrote my book because Let's, nobody yeah. <laughs> explained Let's that talk to about me. It. So <laughs> first I would read my book because basically I just took 20 years of knowledge and threw it into 150 pages. Um, so it's a quick read. Uh, and, and that's why I did is to help people because I, I seem to get the same questions all the time from founders and entrepreneurs and CEOs and CMOs of these, you know, emerging brands, like three to 30 million. Can we, the same can we get a little, oh, sorry. Can we get a little taste? What's, what's like the, one of the, the best do's and what's one of the most terrible don'ts? Yeah. So one of the best do's is to know your numbers going in, whether it's your e-commerce website or Amazon, all those numbers that I just said, know what all your fees are, know what your costs are, know what you need to be profitable. There's so many brands that we've, we've started working with and they were actually have been losing money. I said, you, you would actually do better if you stop selling altogether on Amazon because you're losing wow. money and they didn't know they were losing money. So we said, okay, let's go kill all these products. Let's make these bigger sizes. Let's do these two packs, three packs. Here's your whole profitability analysis. And then, you know, this brand went from 30,000 a month unprofitably to 600,000 a month profitably. Wow. So 
first thing is know your numbers. Like people just sort of jump into Amazon sometimes or jump into direct to consumer and they don't know, Hey, what should my cost per acquisition be? How much should I be spending? Um, most brands that we work with can afford to spend about 10 to 20% of their total revenue on advertising and still be profitable. So definitely know, know your numbers. Amazing. And, you know, obvious, so obvious, but so important and so neglected. We all need that reminder. Hey, go take a second. We're always trying to like dive right in, but it's like, nope, got to wait for just a second. Get the numbers, figure out where you're going so that you don't just walk off a cliff. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. How about a don't? Any any horror story don'ts? I'd love to hear the don'ts. Well, um, the one of the don'ts in the first part of the book is all about your core values and the people on your team, right? Especially for us as an agency, you know, a hundred percent of our success is the people on the team. And so um, I learned a really hard lesson early on is uh, <laughs> um, don't, uh, don't keep folks around, whether it's people or products or ideas that aren't working, you know, um, act quickly. If you've got a product that isn't like you said, four stars or above, kill it, take it back to the drawing board. If you've got a person that's toxic, you know, no, don't kill them, but, you know, um, politely uh, help them find an, something else where they can be happy. So those are some of the don'ts that I've seen is I, I've been guilty of it myself um, as well, which is I've kept either a, a client on too long or a team member on too long who was ready to move on. Um, so definitely don't act quickly, you know, act quickly. Don't be slow in making those important decisions around products. I'll give you an example. One of our brands, they launched a product. It was a great product for breastfeeding, uh, little drink packets, and they had a taste issue in the beginning. And they were about a 3.6, 3.7 out of five stars on Amazon. Oh, geez. And, you know, most people, well, not most people, some people like me filter on four stars and above. So they don't even get shown. And, um, they, it did take them a little while, but they went back, they fixed the taste issue. It's now like a 4.2 or 4.4 product. So, but it, it took them a long time and they lost a lot of customers along the way. Now, would it have been better to just literally launched a new version, like with the new taste, or did they want to keep all the I mean, you're right, because if you have a ton of 3.7, you need a lot of fives to bump that average up if people are kind of dinging it. Yeah. Well, the good news is the Amazon algorithm isn't linear. It's not an average. So they actually give more weight to more recent reviews. So um, if it's a review from two years ago, Amazon knows, well, hey, they might have improved the product since then, or maybe this isn't relevant. So, So you do want to sort of keep those reviews um if you can if if the and the, and they did keep that original skew and that original item number and they were able to to raise it up over four god oh that's interesting no it's not just so if they bombed it in the past there was hope for them if they got the taste up but they have to get people to buy it in the first place right right wow okay so your book uh 
So business growth, uh, growth do and don't, and absolute don'ts is on Amazon. Do you uh, do you ever geek out and um, modify your own listings or do any advertising for your own book? <laughs> I I've done a little. I'm like the cobbler with no shoes. Like we're too busy making other people money. Yeah. Um. You know, it's it's it was a uh, it's not a money making opportunity for me. It's really just. Uh, really just hoping to help people with it. So, and I'll tell you the whole, like logging into this Amazon, it's not like the easy seller central that we log into. It's this whole book publishing backend. That's like a whole nother language. Um, so they don't make it super easy, but no, I don't, I should, I should geek out on my own, but I really don't. I spend all my time making other people millions. I know, right? It's always like it's how it is, but I will definitely grab your book and I will get, get you a rating on there so we can non-linearly you know, promote that thing. Um, that's kind of funny because on my book, one, one of the first one, not the first one, but I had like a bunch of fives and then some doofus gave me a three, you know, and I'm like, God, you ruined my average forever. But that means, you know, we get some more fives in there and we can bump him out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's always so a good. hater. And if it's all fives, nobody believes it either. So. Interesting. Well, you're, you, you're a straight five-star book on your Amazon account. So hopefully yeah. people do believe it. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I've got the 21 reviews yet. I think. Uh, not yet. Not yet, but not I will, yet. I will put a couple in there myself and we'll get <laughs> you up there. But um, yeah, people listening to the show, we'll all go get that book. Um and uh and learn about the don'ts because i think that the don'ts will sting the do's are what's going to help you grow but you want to avoid the pain of the don'ts for sure um when you're getting in there question for you you're so close to this you see the changes happening what do you see coming around the bend in the in the future is there something exciting any anything coming around the bend that you're excited about in the future there's, there's so much going on. I think there's, you know, when you look at a SWOT analysis of a digital marketing agency, I mean, the biggest thing coming around the bend that I'm not excited about is privacy. Um, not that I don't think people deserve privacy. I do, but I also think, um, you know, this whole first party data, Amazon ha is probably the biggest collector of first party data, right? Mm. They know what you've got, uh, what you've bought. Now oh, yeah. with Whole Foods, you know, you, you scan oh, yeah. your code, they know what groceries you're buying now, not just, you know, not just what kind of, you know, electronics you're buying on Amazon. They know, you know, what kind of grapes you're buying. So I think that there's a lot there. Um, I, the things that I think are really kind of exciting, uh, coming around the bend is I've heard talk of Amazon launching some podcasts. And I think Amazon advertising, they probably have the best first party data, right? So you think all these brands know a little bit about you, right? So you buy this, say you buy this boot bag. And so Amazon knows that you're a skier, right? And then if they start doing content, what I think is so interesting is the personalization in the different advertising. So right now everybody sort of gets the same ads in the podcast they listen to, right? Yeah. Uh, I think Amazon is really going to change the game in advertising. I saw how many billions of dollars they're making in advertising now. And pretty soon 
they, they don't want you to know this, but pretty soon their advertising dollars are going to outweigh their, you know, marketplace fee dollars that, really? that they get. So yeah, you'll, wow. I think you'll see that in the next couple of years. So I really feel like Amazon is becoming an advertising platform much more so um, than anything else. So I think you'll see that over the next couple of years. And you think about how much trouble Facebook is in, meaning like they've lost pixel data, they've lost first party data, they used to get credit card data, they don't get that anymore. So there's fewer and fewer, there's, there's less and less information. And Facebook is relying on this, you know, pixel data or third party data, whereas I, I feel like Amazon and advertising are, are uh, going to be a huge, huge thing for them. So I think there's going to be so many more opportunities within the Amazon ecosystem for advertising. Interesting. Advertising. Yeah, it makes sense. They've got the eyeballs and they know everything you've purchased. <laughs> they know everything. Hey, you know what? What razors, what soap, what, mm -hmm. what gifts you bought for family and friends and yourself and all that. That's amazing. Um, right. They know if you're buying wow. kids stuff, right? I'm sure you've yeah. bought stuff for your kids oh, on yeah. Amazon. So they know you have kids, you know, they know I'm a soccer mom. I just bought more of those swerve soccer balls, you know, for, mm -hmm. for my kids. And so, uh, I feel like now with all this data, they're going to be able to do so much more marketing off Amazon, uh, that the other folks just can't do. I mean, Google knows a lot about you from your search and stuff, but I, I feel like Amazon still has the number one best amount of data about people. They do because, it, you know, it's like a step even better than Google. Google kind of sends you to the right place, but then you just go to Amazon and you can actually buy it. So they are, they are even closer to it. Pretty smart when you really think about it. It's crazy. Well, hey, my, my next question is, you know, really, you do all these things, you know, all these things. Who are you? Can you take me back in time? Little Carolyn days. Did you always know you're going to be an entrepreneur and a marketer, a pilot, all these things? I, I didn't necessarily know those things. Uh, when I was, I grew up outside of Boston in a, a suburb of Boston and um, always knew I was going to go to college. But once I got into college, I started out as a, as a uh, math major and really? I got into differential equations and Holy advanced. <laughs> and yeah, that's, that's what I said. Yeah. So I said, Oh, wow. Um, maybe I'll switch to the business administration school at, at UNH university of New Hampshire. So that's what I did. And that's where I sort of found my love of marketing. I always thought I'd work for like a big company like Coca-Cola. And when I was in college, I thought that was going to be, you know, what I really wanted to do is work for a big, big, you know, marketing firm. And, uh, and I, I really sort of found my love of marketing, but not just marketing more transactional marketing and, and marketing with numbers and email marketing. And I love being able to, you know, send out an email campaign or run a Facebook ad and, and instantly know it, how well it's doing. So that's something that I'm super passionate about. So I always knew I was going to be in marketing and I'm kind of glad I didn't end up in, in, um, in big like consumer brand marketing, which at the time was just, you know, you would throw a TV ad up there and hope it worked, you know? Oh, I know right. <laughs> so I liked, I like to know, I like that certainty of knowing. Yeah, 
it appealed to me as well. I think marketers have a special, maybe it's a duality of the, it's a creative human side, but also the measuring the heck out of it, you know? And one without the other, like you were saying, it's like throwing things at the wall and hoping they stick and you have no idea. And I've met people who who do a hundred conferences a year and they have no idea which ones are working. And then they're hostage to doing all 100 every year. Because what if that was the conference that had all the leads, you know, all the business came from that one, all the sales came from that one. I don't know. They don't know. So they have to keep doing it. So the measurement side is really important. What did you find that the business major, the business studying helped connect that math and analytical side to like the real world and the people was math just too separated from that or was it just what yeah yeah i i feel like the math background really i've always loved numbers and so uh, i i like the combination of of marketing and analytics and math in, in digital marketing and so that's really exciting exciting to me. And, you know, in college, my senior year, we had a, um, a management consulting class and we did some great Harvard business case studies. And so one of them was one of the brands that came in was a brand called Stonyfield yogurt, which used to just be a regional brand. And they came in and we got to do a whole case study. Should they go national? What should they do for distribution? And, and it was kind of cool to, you know, 20 years later, walk into my local Whole Foods in Austin and, or, or Central Market or another grocery store we have and, and see Stonyfield yogurt. And, and so I really loved that, um, that analysis. And, and that's where I really said, I, I, I want to do this for a living. Wow. Incredible. What about you? Which part? Did you always know that you were going to end up as a famous podcaster and Oh, stop. (laughs) No, keep going. Keep going. Um, (laughs) You know, I always enjoyed, you know, similar to you, I always enjoyed people and then just a little bit of math. And in college, I went computer science because I was like tech. So like tech and communicating was always my my jam. Um, But but college took me deeper and deeper into the computer and to way too much math for my little brain, you know, abstract algebra you know, blew a few fuses up there and, and they took me into like microprocessors in the computer, you know, another more few, couple of fuses blew there. And so, but, but I always, that combination was always the thing. So it wasn't until outside of school and all the internships I had done were kind of marketing internships and, and jobs that I really connected that, Oh, digital marketing, I can, I can do both at, at a, at a very, good pace and not too much of one or too much of the other, but it was very much a balance of the two. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's amazing um, to think about sort of the same paths that we followed. Um, so, so question out your agency that you're doing now. So fast forward to present day, you're helping major brands with their, their Amazon or e-commerce other aspects. That's pretty much it. We do, we do four things and we do them well, and that's all we do. So we, Amazon, we're a Facebook ads agency partner. We're a Google ads agency partner and Clavio email marketing. So those are the four things we do. And we really like, um, you know, Shopify and big commerce direct to consumer brands. Um, Those are the ones that we can sort of really grow them profitably. And 
we're sort of like the Ikea of furniture, right? Like Ikea owns 94% of that small percent of flat pack furniture. So that's sort of who we want to be. You know, we, we sort of stay in our lane. We have a saying, if Nike wanted to work with us, we would say, no, the big guys can afford the best talent. We feel like these emerging brands, you know, can't afford the best talent and that doesn't seem fair. Right. And so they have to go with these people who are a little bit of snake oil salesmen don't necessarily know what they're doing. And, and we don't think that's fair. So I think that smaller brands deserve expert help too. I agree. They totally do. Totally deserve the help. Um, wow. Okay. Hypothetical question for you. I may or may not have a time machine up here in New Hampshire and it's in the backyard covered in a tarp. But let's say you come on over. We'll get some. Uh, we'll get some wine. We'll use the time machine. You know, you go back in time, and it's a special kind. You get to meet yourself a few days after graduating from from college. So you get to meet that version of you, that Carolyn, and you can talk to her. And it, and I promise it won't mess up the space time continuum. And unlike the Flash, who can't help but mess it up, uh, but it you can talk to yourself and give yourself advice recommendations, anything you want to say to yourself, what kind of things would you tell yourself? I think now I am blown away by the entrepreneurship. The fact that there are even classes at so many colleges that, that I, don't even, I don't even think that was a class when I was in college, right? And so I graduated, I'm going to date myself here. I graduated college in 1991 from New Hampshire. And you know, just the, the amount of entrepreneurship, I would go back to my earlier self and say, don't work for the man for so long. You know, like, um, I didn't start my first company until I was in my late forties. And I would say, do this stuff sooner, take some risks. What's the worst that can happen? You know, um, I, I'm what's the, what's the worst someone can say? No. Okay. Well, I hear that and move on. And so I spent a lot of my career and still now uh, making a lot of money for other people, but, um, and that gives me joy and that brings me satisfaction. The fact that, you know, we've added hundreds of jobs in Austin from, from the growth of our, our clients and in California and all the other States, but I would go back to myself and, and take, and say, take some risks. It's funny because my dad was, my dad was English and paid for everything and didn't like to have the only debt we ever had was like the mortgage. And that, you know, still, you know, gave him anxiety. And my mom was Armenian and was one of seven and her dad owned real estate and candy stores. And just, she was this total entrepreneurial spirit. So I have this like you know, this almost internal struggle between my dad was so risk averse and my mom was like, what's the worst that can happen? Go for it. You know? Um, and, and I, and I credit all of that with, you know, to my mom, because my mom, when I got offered the job at Dell in Austin, I was living in Boston, never thought I'd live in Texas. <laughs> and my mom was, was diagnosed. She had been diagnosed with breast cancer stage four Ooh. and she was dying. And she said, I'm dying. Don't put your life on hold for me. Go and take this job. And I thought that was really interesting because my mom, you know, everything, I feel like life is a series of decisions, right? And 
whatever path you choose is going to affect your outcome. And had I not moved to Texas, never would have worked at Dell, never would have met all these amazing people that I now know. I never would have met the people that helped me originally start ROI Swift. And so, um, so I feel like I would tell myself like, take more risks. Don't, don't be so, um, don't be so afraid to fail. Yeah. There's something about that, man. What great advice though. Like you got to do this. It sounds scary, but like, what's the worst that could happen? And, you know, maybe you'll get some good food and some good arts and culture down there. Hey, you never know. But um, yeah, what that's, that's been, by the way, shout out to Armenia because we have a lot of listeners from Armenia, um, which is awesome. One day we'll be the number one podcast in Armenia for marketing. Um, But yeah, what, what great advice. I love that. Take more risks and, and don't be afraid to fail. Also, don't be afraid to succeed. I think sometimes the success is even scarier than, oh, well, if I fail, then it means I stink. And, but what if I succeed? Holy crap. Like, what is that? I don't know what that looks like, you know, fail. We know what that looks like. Oh, it's same old, same old, but, but if you succeed, gosh, that might change your life. Right. And you can't succeed if you don't try. So, right. Right. What is that? You, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yes. You know? Who I, said well, that? Was there a basketball player? Know. It's a great, it's a great idea. Let's see. You miss Google. I'm get to be my own hundred shots, hundred percent of the shots. Let's see. Does it say who originally said it? Google. Uh, some people think Wayne Gretzky said, said it. Oh, that's right. It might've been hockey, right? It yeah. Is. Wayne Gretzky. Yep. Yep. I knew I had heard that before. My husband's a huge sports fanatic. So miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take Wayne Gretzky. So, yeah, cool. so me and Wayne Gretzky, we're on the same page here. Yeah. You and Wayne, you know, absolutely, man. This is, this has been what a, what a cool conversation. Where can people connect with you? If they want to reach out, they want to say hi, they want to connect. Maybe they need some help. They need some ROI in their, yeah. their, their shop, their shopping, their e-commerce. Well, yeah. And especially if they know a great place for some Armenian grape leaves, they can find me on, um, on LinkedIn. You can just Google or LinkedIn. <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn. Just look for Carolyn Lowe. Uh, you can also find us on our website, roiswift.com. Uh, don't judge us. We spend all our time working on everybody else's business. So our, our website is like our cobbler with no shoes as well, but happy to connect, um, with folks. This is, this is what drives me is, is helping folks and, and, uh, and, and succeeding. And I feel like these little guys need, um, as much help as they can against the big, huge behemoth, you know, Cokes and Pepsis. Yeah. Take them out. Right. Sometimes the little upstart though, has enough ability to dodge and weave and can be more responsive. And by the way, your website's great. I don't think it's terrible. I think it's cool. (laughs) Thank you. It's not bad at all. It's better than mine. I'm fixing mine up too. We just gotta, you just gotta get it to a point and then you let the, let the shoes, let the cobbler shoes just exist. You just gotta get it to a certain point, but no, your side looks great. Fantastic. Okay. So we'll put all those links for those listening into the show notes so you can click through to that. So grape leaves, is that, is that the hard to find the Armenian? Uh, grape leaves, dolmas. Yeah. I mean, just that, that just reminds me of all the Armenian picnics and family get togethers and uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it's hard to find, there's one or two places in Austin, but there's not a great, um, you know, there's not a great middle Eastern or, or that kind of area 
community in Austin, you know, growing up in, in Boston, you, there was a great place you could go for the Armenian pizzas, the lemajans or the grape leaves or all that good stuff uh, in Massachusetts, but it's a little harder to find in Austin. What's the place? Cause I'm, I'm up here. So what, what's the place near Boston that you, you remember? Oh, the called? town of Watertown has all the great Armenian food. Really? Mm-hmm. Right near Cambridge, Watertown. Well, they even have an Ar- Ar- Armenian Museum of America in there. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it just happened. Yeah, there's yeah. a bunch of churches. We used to go, my mother would bring me and it would be all in Armenian. And uh, so that's one of my great childhood memories too. Was going to church and, and, and hearing Armenian the whole time? Yeah. And we wouldn't go all the time. We would go on like, you know, the, the big holidays because it's, it wasn't super close to where we grew up, but you know, um, I just remember going on like Palm Sunday or, uh, those types of days. And it was just such a great community. So. Wow. You know, I, I found some articles on the best, I, I didn't even realize there was some local, local gems down the street that I can check out. So I'll have to have to do that. Carolyn, thank you so much for coming on here and, and schooling me and teaching me these tech and all of us here, um, you know, your wisdom, you know, in life and also in, in e-commerce. Thanks for having me, Casey. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, this has been absolutely fantastic for those listening. If you learned something and I freaking know you did, because I literally have two pages of notes front and back over here, then share this with someone else. And that's how you're a thought leader. Just a one person, eight people, 309, whatever the number, just get that information to someone else's hands so they can benefit from it. Maybe they can take out one of those big players. They can take out one of those big brands, a little upstart brand, just take, taking it to the, uh, to the mattresses, as they say. So, um, man, that was fantastic. Uh, thank you again, Carolyn. All right, everyone. This has been another really fun, exciting episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. <laughs>